Well, we're going to talk about, last week, uh, Jonathan did a great job, didn't he, talking about communion. We're so blessed to have Jonathan and his family with us. And uh, we've been talking about different things in the church and why do we do those things. Those are traditions, those are biblical traditions, but there's things we do, but sometimes we need to be reminded. And I've been surprised at how many people have told us, hey, thanks for doing that series because a lot of those things we didn't know. So occasionally we do those just to help us. So today we're going to talk about a, um, a topic that can be a little awkward. It's giving and why should we, why do, or why are we taught in the church to give a part of our income on a consistent basis? And it can be awkward sometimes because we hear as church leaders sometimes that a lot of people don't go to church because the church talks about money all the time. People say, I don't go to church because they always are asking for money and talking about money. They say, well, but if you don't go to church, how do you know they talk about it all the time? Because you're not there to hear about it. And I can tell you, we don't talk about it all the time. We do talk, try to talk about it at least once a year, do a series a year on it, or a couple of times a year, but we don't harp on it. But it's still very, very uh, important. So today, if you're here today, and the last time you were in church, somebody talked about money, is that just a coincidence, or maybe God's trying to tell you something? Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But I understand that. I have, I have been to churches where I was made to feel a little awkward, like, I don't know if I'd put it that way. Um, I've been watching people on TV. I was in the gym the other day doing my elliptical, and this guy was on there, and I was trying to get him off of there with a remote, and it wasn't working. I wanted to throw my shoe because it was terrible theology, and my, he was telling people if they would just send him so much money, good things in their life would happen, and I was like, oh, my goodness, you know. So I get it. I get it. We can present that in a way that turns people off, but it's an important part of our lives and our relationship with God and with the church and with, with, with other people. But responding to that, you know, y'all might say, Craig, Mike just told us how great we were because we were bringing in shoe boxes and we're, we're giving out names for kids and we're going to help the whole community in, in Coweta. So, uh, and we just paid the church building off. If y'all have not heard that, we announced that last Sunday. So let's clap for that again. That's an amazing blessing. In three years, we were, be, we were able to pay off this property and this building, and we are so blessed. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But that's an amazing thing to be debt-free as a church, to be able to continue to be a blessing to more people. But in responding to, you know, sometimes we talk about, um, you know, giving too much. But this is my favorite story about giving, and I've told it before. Some of y'all may have heard it before. But in the times where there were kings and kingdoms, there was this little village that was very famous for grapes and growing grapes and making wine. And they made some of the most exquisite wine in the world. And so the king of this region was going to visit this little village that had never been visited before by the king. And the, the whole village is excited. The king's coming to see us. We're so excited. So as they're talking about him coming, you know, they're talking about we got to roll out the red carpet. we got to clean everything up. Everything's got to be perfect for the king to come. And we want to give him a special gift. But what do you give a king? He has everything. What are we going to give him? So everybody goes, well, we're, we're known for making wine, so why don't we do this? Why don't we put this big vat in the middle of the town square, and everybody who makes wine in this region is going to bring their best bottle of wine, and we're going to pour it into this big vat, and when the king comes, we're going to serve him up this special chalice of the best wine in the world. Everybody goes, that's a great idea. Let's do it. So the big day came, and people were coming and pouring their wine into the vat, and the the mayor of the town, whatever, he comes up and they have the red carpet out and the king comes and he's very gracious about them inviting him. And 
they pull out this special chalice and they say, we're going to serve you. Everybody pitched in in the town and they're going to give you this great cup of wine. And they pour the wine into his chalice and he tastes it and he has this disappointed look on his face. Because guess what? It was nothing but water. Everybody thought, I'll just pour water in and no one will notice. Everybody else is going to pour their best wine in, but I'll just pour water in. And guess what? Everybody in the town just poured water in. And so the king was dishonored. And worse than that, the whole, the whole city, the whole town was dishonored. They dishonored themselves by dishonoring the king. So sometimes we think we can get away with being cheap or chintzy, but when everybody has that mindset, somebody's going to get dishonored. Not only the person that was meant for a great gift, but also those who were supposed to be the, the givers. Now, I don't know about you, but ever since I was growing up, I was introduced in the church, Sunday school church, and by my own family into giving. I mean, it kind of started with sitting on the row, and here comes the, uh, we don't do the offering plates anymore, for obvious, because of COVID. But y'all remember that, the offering plate coming, your grandmother, your mother would reach in her purse real quick, and her, she'd give you a quarter, and you'd like, hey, and you go, I'll get candy. No, you don't. Put that in the offering tray. And you, you know, you drop it in there, and you hear clink, 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 you know, and you're like, oh, man, there goes my candy, you know. And you kind of reluctantly, but then you got to a point where you knew in church, your, you know, your mom or your grandmom or somebody, daddy would give you some money and you'd put it in the church. And you'd be in Sunday school and you'd learn these little things. You'd put it in a basket or a cup or something. And you'd say, hey, we give this money. It's an offering to God for all he's given us. And so you're kind of brought up under understanding and knowing we, we give money to God because, you know, that's how we thank him and tell him we're appreciative. Now, when I was little, I really thought this. I would see the men come down, and they would pass the plates, those gold plates, and we'd do the green thing in the bottom, you know, and we would put our money in there, and then they would take it, and they'd go off somewhere, and I didn't know where they went with it. I thought that they went to the preacher's office and put it on this high ceiling, and the money floated up to God. I really thought that as a little kid. I don't know why, but that's what I thought. And as I got older, I realized, no, there's guys that carry it back somewhere in a safe location, and they count the money, and this money goes to pay the preachers, to keep the lights on in the church, to send to missionaries, and to do the work of the church. That's where it goes to a lot of different places. Wow, that's a pretty neat thing, and I, I learned that as, as, as I got older. And another thing I'm very thankful, I was taught that at church, but I was also taught that. My mom is here this morning, so... I was taught by my mom and dad about giving from a very early age. And I remember I didn't like it at first because when I was like 11 or 12, I started cutting grass in the neighborhood, you know, pushing your mower all around the neighborhood. And I was cutting some grass, and I remember making 8 or 10 bucks for a whole yard, you know, with a push mower. I think about that now. Like, man, they were ripping me off. But anyway, <laughs> my mama said, now, how much of that are you going to put in at church? And I was like, what? And so you get your first $10 as a kid, you think you're rich, and your mom's saying, you got to put a whole dollar in the plate. And I remember I did it, but it was reluctantly. It was like, here comes the tray, oh, I threw that dollar in there. And I was not happy about it, but I did think about, wow, but I still have $9 left. You know, I still have nine whole dollars left. And, but, but my mom, you know, teaching me that and saying, no, you need to do that, get in the habit of doing it. I did, and as I've gotten older, y'all, it's been one of the most valuable lessons I have ever learned in my life about giving on a consistent basis of everything that comes in, something you give back to God and reminds you, hey, I know where that came from. It ultimately came from you. And I want to tell you young people today, anybody that's young here today, and I'm saying from 30 on down, and it, this applies to everybody, but 30 on down, but especially you who are maybe middle school or high school in here today, you listen carefully to this sermon today because there's no better lesson you can learn 
and about giving. I promise you that. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you need to learn about giving. It's very, very, very important. Start doing that now. Even if you're working at McDonald's or, or whatever it is, my daughters are starting to work, and I'm giving them you know, the business about this, and they're reluctantly, you know, and that kind of stuff. But I'm telling no, it, it will do something in your heart and in your life that will be very valuable. Well, there's lots of passages throughout the whole Bible on giving because God... Our creator, he's giving by nature. And for this message, I want to focus in on something Jesus said one day to a particular crowd of people about giving. And I want us to look at that from a personal standpoint. Listen to what Jesus said and say, how does that apply to me when it comes to giving, when it comes to money, to finances, to wealth? And how does that line up with how I look at wealth and and finances and all that kind of thing? So we're going to look at a text today from Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. And this is kind of an interesting thing of how this gets started. I'm not sure what Jesus was really talking about that day, but somebody in the crowd yells out something, right, as he's teaching. And uh, that kind of gets this started on Jesus' topic about teaching on on giving. So we'll look at Luke chapter 12, and uh, it starts in verse 13 is what we're going to look. Thank you all for having that. It says, so someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Can you imagine? In the middle of Jesus talking about things, somebody yells that out. Like, I was thinking, man, what if somebody, right before I started the sermon, goes, Hey, Craig, tell my brother he has to share the inheritance with me. And I'm like, oh, that's awkward. You know? Now, I know y'all understand this, and some of y'all are laughing because you know families argue over inheritances, don't they? I know a family right now, and it breaks my heart, that are arguing over inheritance. And it's come between the families. Like, man, that's so sad. And they're Christian people, but it's sad. And y'all know that's happened. So let me just give you some advice because we're getting ready to go to Thanksgiving well, some of those, well, what, what, did, what did you say, Shannon? Sandpaper people, you know? Okay. And, and so just, you know what, here, I'll give you some advice. Just talk about how great it was that the Braves won the World Series. Just talk about that. And they try to bring up politics. Yeah, whatever. But, man, the Braves won the World Series. Isn't that great? The dogs are undefeated. Do something like that. But just try to avoid those, those issues like that. So, anyway, someone says in the crowd, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? Listen to how many times he says, I, my, me. I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So let's try to un pack this parable a little bit that Jesus says well it starts with a guy yelling out something make my brother give me part of the inheritance and Jesus says you know don't get caught up in all that this parable seems to be in response to these brothers who were arguing and Jesus lets them this brother know really quickly I'm not a referee I'm not an arbiter I'm not a judge for this kind of things but he says the whole crowd y'all hear what this guy's saying and you're waiting for a response, so I'm going to have to respond because we all know what it's about. And he says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. All kinds? There's more than one kind of greed? And I, I thought about this, and I think about um, in, in third world countries sometimes, you know what? There's greed. 
Luke can tell you. He's probably experienced it in Guatemala, even among poor people. I remember one time being in Haiti on a mission trip, and uh, there were some of us there for the first time, and we're just excited. We want to give things to poor people. And we had this pickup truck loaded down with clothes and toys and things for the kids. And without getting permission from the missionary, we just started like starting to hand them out. And it almost caused a riot. No lie, y'all. I mean, it was like, oh, man, it was getting crazy. And we literally had to get the truck out of there before it started because they have so little that when somebody shows up with something, man, they're going to get as much as they can as quick as they can because this, this opportunity may not ever happen again, you see? And so I was like, wow, these people are greedy. It's like, yeah, they're poor, but they're, they, have, they have greed issues sometimes as well. That's what happens. So Jesus says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And greed is, I have this, it's enough, but I want more. I want more. That's being greedy. More than you need. Wanting more than you need. And then he says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. My life is not fulfilled unless I have more and the newest and the greatest quantity of wealth. And Jesus is warning against those two things. In classic Jesus style, he tells this parable to drive this point home about be careful about being greedy and be careful about this abundance of possessions that it consumes your life. And so he tells about this man who was already rich. Remember he said a certain rich man. He's already rich. He says, the ground yielded him an abundant harvest. It wasn't him, the ground that God made, the nature that God made. That's really what promotes the growth. But it was all about protecting and saving his abundance. It was his. It was his. My, what am I going to do? I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns for my stuff. I need more. And in protecting and saving his wealth for the future. But then his life was demanded of him. And God asked him, who will get what you've prepared for yourself now? And he said, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. This, this is how it will be. What does that mean, Jesus? This is how it will be. I don't think Jesus is saying that God will, if you start getting greedy, God's going to strike you down right then. I don't think that's exactly what he's saying. But rather, when your life has been all about the abundance of possessions and having things and all of your focus and everything about you is about that, taking care of your possessions instead of really people and the joys of life. When death comes, guess what? Those possessions are gone. You don't have possession of them anymore. You can't possess them anymore because you're dead. And they'll go to someone else. And he says, then what will happen? Well, where will all those things go? Well, you won't know because you don't possess them anymore. So Jesus is warning them. And I think Jesus sees on the faces of his listeners kind of like, wow. But then a lot of them are going, oh, that's great. You're talking about a certain rich man, Jesus. I'm not a rich man. I'm not greedy. I'm just an average Joe out here trying to listen to you, and I can barely rub a couple of nickels together. I'm just trying to feed my family, clothe my family, do the basics for my family, and you're talking about a rich man. Maybe Jesus saw that in their faces. You know, when you speak to people, you look around. Teachers know this. You're looking around, and you can tell sometimes when the kids are like, what? You know, maybe they didn't get enough sleep that night or, or whatever. Maybe they're thinking about something else. But I think Jesus saw on their faces, yeah, okay, I understand about the rich thing. I get it. But what about us average Joes? And then Jesus goes right from there into verse 22 and listen to what he says. He says, so therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. 
Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the flowers, the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink, and do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. So I feel like Jesus saw that, hey, we're not all rich, we're just, and He knows that. So He goes, well, for you then. Y'all are worried, maybe not about a whole bunch of stuff, but just the basics, and you worry about that. And your focus gets so focused on that that you forget about relationships and you forget about God too. So he says, seek first God's kingdom and all these things will be given to you. They'll be added to you. And so he asked them to consider the natural world. You see birds around you. Everybody's seen birds. You see wildflowers growing. And if you stop and think about that, how do they get their sustenance? Well, from God. And if God takes care of birds and flowers, and then he even says, Jesus says this, Humans are more valuable than birds. Sorry if we have bird lovers here. He doesn't say they're not valuable birds because obviously he made them and they are valuable. And I'll be honest with you, if I was an animal, I would want to be a bird. Because you can walk and you can fly. I mean, that's awesome, you know. I would want to be a bird. But Jesus saying, hey, it's valuable those things. Are. They don't walk around going, oh, like I, I was talking in the first service about a bird that built a nest in my garage not too long ago. And I'm like, how did he get in here? Because, you know, the, the garage door goes up and down quite a bit. But this bird had been coming in and out when the door was open. And, you know, little pieces of string and pine straw and little pieces of paper. And in the corner of a, of a, a, a bookshelf in my garage, built. A, I was just fascinated by that, you know. And so they find a way. They're not worried about it. They just know whatever's there, I'm going to use it and I'll, I'll keep going. I'll build my home. I'll take care of the food, whatever. And, and God provides it. So Jesus is, is telling that crowd to consider that. And he says, you are more valuable than birds. You can't add days to your life by worrying about these things. God knows what you need. And guess what? He will supply those needs. Needs. And he says, so seek first his kingdom and these things will be given to you. So these things, food and clothing, will be given to us as well. As well as what? What's the other? You said as well. He's saying, I think Jesus is talking about the joy of investing in people and relationships and seeing transformation in God's kingdom. When you invest in those things, you don't worry about that. Like, we'll figure out how to do it. We have a missionary that in, in um, one of our friends that we, uh, it's called Grace for All, and he's in Ethiopia. He has an orphanage. And man, that guy has faith. I don't know how he does what he does. And he never worries about it. I just, I, I, every time I went to Waffle House with him when he was in town a few weeks ago, and I just sit there just like, oh, this guy's unbelievable with his faith. He doesn't worry about it. And he's telling me how he runs his orphanage, and I'm just like, oh, how? How do you do that? He goes, oh, it's God. I mean, and he really believes that. He has that kind of faith, and that's what Jesus is saying to these people. We have to have that kind of faith that God will take care of us when we're doing and seeking his kingdom first. And I think Jesus saw a little bit of fear in their faces after he told this story about the birds and the flowers those are going so we've got to be totally dependent on god like birds and flowers that made them nervous I, I i don't know if i can do this so i think jesus again sees and feels their fear and listen to what he says next in verse 32 do not be afraid he senses their fear do not be afraid little flock for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom 
He's not just asking you to seek the kingdom. He's saying, I've given the kingdom to you. I've given it to you. I've given that for you to do. That's part of your life is to do God's kingdom work. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Man, that's one of the most powerful statements in the whole Bible right there, y'all. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How true is that? What we focus on, what's most important, where we put all our time and attention, if that's where our treasure, that's where our heart's going to be in those things. And the Father says, he is, Jesus says, the Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. He's not asking you just to seek it. He's given it to you to be a part of, to see it growing and flourishing. The whole kingdom is yours. So sell your possessions and give to the poor. And that probably concerned the people, oh, I can't do that. See immediate results of what your wealth can do in action rather than it possessing you. We, if we're just storing this thing up, and he talks about where moths can destroy. Moths don't get in until we leave something sitting for what? A really long time, right? When we leave it just sitting there, the moths are going to get in, but when we're using it. And I'll tell you, when we paid off the church and we cheered for that, that's a fantastic thing. But you know what we did? We have some operational reserves around here. You know what? Those are very important. We have some smart folks on our finance team, and I'm glad. And they think about, we need to have operational reserves. So just in case we don't have any offering, something like COVID happens again, we, have, we can be able to pay the church, you know, uh, pay the church mortgage, pay the uh, staff, pay our missionaries and all of our bills. Even if no offering comes in, we still want to be able to do that for a certain... It got to be uh, several weeks, and some of our finance teams are not only smart people, but they're godly people, and they said, this is too much. We don't need this just sitting here. We need to pay off this church so we can do more things, and that's how we came to that decision. I was like, man, these are godly principles, and these are important things. If it's just sitting there... How's it doing anybody any good? If it's sitting in a savings account, well, it's accruing interest. Well, we figured out, well, guess what? The interest we're gaining on that is not as much as what we're paying on the church. So let's pay off the church. That's kind of economics, isn't it? But God has blessed us, y'all, with amazing people that were generous. That didn't happen by accident. It wasn't just one or two people. It was lots of people given consistently to make that happen. And Jesus is saying, don't let that stuff pile up your possessions Get it out there. Sell it. Give it. Do something. Let it. Let it. Let let your money see what your money can do by helping people. It's important to see that. And he says, provide purses that will not wear out. Purses. Well, that's where we secure and hide money that will not wear out, so your treasure won't get stolen. We put things in all those things, and you don't need those things. Your money shouldn't be in a in, in a in a safe somewhere. It should be out there doing kingdom work. Out there doing kingdom work. And then Jesus says, again, one of those most profound statements in the Bible, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let that sink in a minute. Where's your heart? Where's your treasure? And we watch, and I'm telling you, I'm talking to you kids again, you middle school and high schoolers, we watch so much junk you know, on, on these TikToks and all this stuff. And again, I'm, I'm not against having fun. I laugh at a lot of them too. But some of the stuff they're promoting out there is so anti-biblical. It's so different, like, oh, you're going to be rich and famous, and if you don't have enough TikTok followers, and if everybody's not laughing at you, come on, man. That's not real. Is that really changing lives? And I'm sure there's some TikToks that have changed some lives, but is it for the better? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure there is, and I don't want to be negative on that, but think about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let that sink in. My heart, your heart, will always be 
where the things we treasure most are. That's where our heart's going to be. So what is it for you today? You know, the principles of consistent giving and being generous are clearly taught in the Bible. There are over 2,300 verses in the Bible about money and um, giving and possessions compared to, guess how many on prayer? 500. That's a lot, isn't it? Why there's so many in the Bible? Jesus spoke about money and possessions in 16 of his 38 parables. What does that tell us? Man, it tells us we struggle with that, don't we? We struggle about money and possessions and wealth and finances. We struggle with that. So he knew as humans we struggle with that, and we need to be reminded of what's most important. Consistent giving is such a vital and valuable part of being a Christian. Again, I want to say this to you, you younger people. Really learn this now. Learn it now because if you don't, it'll be harder later to let go of that money. We give to acknowledge that God is the owner of all things and that we're just managers, we're just stewards of what we receive. God doesn't need our money back, but He wants to see that we're dependent upon Him and that we're willing to, un, you know, to let go of some of those things in order to help other people. It shows our faith. It shows our gratitude. It shows that we participate in God's kingdom work in the world. We give to help those in need. We give to be a blessing to others. And when we give, we're most like our Father in heaven because He's a giver, isn't He? He's given us all things. And giving is deeply spiritual. So I want to challenge those of you who do not give consistently to the church to seriously consider to start doing that. And that can be a little awkward. And, get, and I want you all to know something. I do not know what people give. In our church, we've always set it up where the preacher has no idea what people give. I don't want to know what people give. That's none of my business. Have you heard of that commercial on the radio? That's none of our business. Okay, That's none of my business. That's between you and God. So I don't know any of that, but I'm telling you, I've learned that principle in my life from a very young age, and I've, and I've given. And I'm not trying to brag, I'm just saying I've given consistently throughout my life because I believe in that principle. And there's been times where my family, I weren't sure things were going to make it, but we went ahead and did what we thought we should do. And I have all kinds of stories where I was like, I don't know how that happened. We'd get a gift, something would happen, and something would happen, and we'd get this, and it's like, man, that's God. That has to be God. Because we tested him in that, and he did. All right, so I'm going to go out on a limb here. Anybody else in here, and I know I see some of y'all are big givers and generous, and you've learned that principle. How many of y'all have stories where God has done something, you have no explanation except for God? Raise your hand up high. Thank you very much. Y'all see, look around. You see people. If you don't believe me, talk to some of these people. It happens, doesn't it? When we're givers, God does something in our lives. And we know, I know we talk about tithing, giving 10%, and that's an Old Testament uh, principle actually in the Old Testament, if you really want to get into the law, it was about thirty percent they were supposed to give. You know, what are you saying? I'm like, I'm just saying, okay. But in the New Testament, he says, "Give consistently." Paul talks about. So let's just go with the ten percent for a minute. That's kind of where I started. And that's kind of something you go, "Hey, man, Craig, you have no idea where we are right now. There's no way we could give ten percent of our income. There's no way." And I get that. Could you give five? No. Could you give two? No. Can you give one? God wants to see you starting somewhere and moving from that point to a little bit bigger. I don't think he cares so much about the amount that you're trusting him and saying, I'm going to give something. And you'll see what that will do in your life. No lie. So earlier this year, I'm at a funeral, and I'm standing there, and I'm, I'm very disturbed about this whole person and how they died. It was, just, it was just hard. It was hard, not only necessarily for me personally, but for the family. And I'm just sitting there thinking about that. And one of the family members came up to me, and this is a, a good while before the funeral, and they said, hey, you remember that sermon you talked about giving? And I was like, man, that was totally off my radar right now. 
standing in the middle of the cemetery and thinking about all this. And I said, yeah. And he says, I just want you to know, I really listened to your challenge, and this is what I did. And I cannot tell you how God has blessed me and my family because I, mean, I was just like, what? I was not expecting that in the middle of the cemetery. But it was so encouraging. I will never forget that moment because the joy on his face when something tragic had just happened to his family, he was just telling, man, God has done something in my life through that. I was, that was just so powerful, and I'm so appreciative of that. I will never forget that because I said something like this in that sermon. Some of you may think, that, you know, hey, he, that's what preachers do. So I, I'll give you the same challenge I did in that sermon. I say, if you think I'm trying to scam you and just get you to give money to the church so we can do all this stuff, well, that's true. I'm trying to get you to do God's kingdom work. But if you think it's some kind of scam and I'm going to get a, you know, a raise, I'm going to have a plane pretty soon and all that kind of stuff, um, then, and, I, and I'm a sort of kid. I'm not going to have a plane, but I'm sort of kid. But, but if you really think I'm not sure I trust him, I get that. Pick something out there somewhere in the world that does good work and start giving to that on a consistent basis, taking some of your income every week, every month, however you want to do it, and start giving to that organization that does good in the world and see what God does in your heart. If you don't want to do it here, I understand that, but do it somewhere so that you can see and test God. In Malachi, in the Old Testament, he's talking to the Israelites, and they had been cheating God out of, you know, there was a big, that's like I said, 30% they were supposed to give because they had this big temple worship, and all this money went into helping the temple worship and bringing all these animals in and slaughter them. That was a big job, and it, it, took, it took money and time and effort. And so they weren't doing that, and God says, test me. You've been robbing me. And they go, what do you mean we've been robbing you? And God says, you're robbing me because you're not bringing the tithes and offering. Not that I need them, but the, your nation is in a, in a terrible situation because y'all have been robbing the relationship of God by not giving. You're being greedy and hoarders when you should be being generous. You've got poor people, and they could be taken care of. You're not taking care of people. And so he goes, I, t I, I challenge you to test me as your God. Test me by giving your tithes and offerings and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Can you imagine that? No more need. He says, test me. Test me in this. And so I'm asking you all this morning, test God. If you think I'm trying to scam you, start consistently giving somewhere else and see what God does in your heart. So I'm going to just kind of close here. I see the flashing light. You've got to be over, Craig. So <laughs> back to my story about the king. Now, we, we kind of relate to that story. It's all water. But here's the thing. What if about half of the people had put wine in and the other half put water in? It would have probably still been pretty good wine, right? Pretty good wine. And the people that poured the water in go, I got away with it. The king was honored. He thinks we're wonderful, and I didn't do anything but pour water in. And sometimes some of us in the church think, hey, I can, I can go to church, and I can enjoy all that stuff at church, and I don't really give anything, but I, nobody knows that. You're right. Maybe nobody knows that, but guess who knows that that really is sad? The king. God knows that. And he's not mad at you. He's sad for you because you're not really being who he created you to be, and that's a giver. And you know it. And how does that feel to know I'm not really giving, but I'm participating in something? Or, or I don't really, you know, I'm not really helping in those wonderful things that are going on. That's sad. And God wants you to be who he created you to be. And we know when we, uh, when we don't participate in honoring the king and we give nothing, that we can pretend we're putting some wine in. But it's important that we actually do that. Show, acknowledge, God, I trust you. I know you give me provision. And we have an opportunity to be a part of your kingdom work all over the world. 
Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? And it brings a joy to our life. Is there not something wonderful about some of y'all coming in this morning with those, those boxes? Why? Because you know somewhere in the world, Jonathan told us a few weeks ago in Ukraine when they were there, that absolutely the kids looked forward to getting those boxes because they knew there was something in there for them. Man, doesn't that make you happy? Doesn't that bring joy in your life when you go, I did something with just a little bit to bring joy to somebody's life. That's being a part of God's kingdom. And God wants us to experience that joy by giving so that can happen. So this morning may be a weird way to offer an invitation. But I want to challenge those who have not started that yet. And here's the deal. I know I'm going over. This is important. (laughs) If I wanted to buy a brand new, let's say Tacoma pickup truck. Those are cool, right? Tacoma pickup truck. And I go in there and I'm like, the guy, I see the price tag and go, eh, I can't do that. Well, then I walk into the office with some salesperson, whether a man or woman, and I say, I, I just can't. Yeah, you like that truck? Yes, I do. Well, how's it, uh, that sticker? Oh, we can work with that. Sit down here. And so they start going through and I say, oh, I can afford about, you know, I don't know, maybe 200 a month. And he goes, oh, let me go talk to my manager. So he walks off and they drink another cup of coffee and eat donuts, and they don't talk anything about what he told you they're going to talk about. And he goes, like, oh, yeah, well, what about if we made it? You know, And you do this back and forth thing. And well, what I'm trying to say is, is we figure out a way to buy that Tacoma eventually, don't we? I figure out how to do it because if I can just pay you know, uh, $200 a month for you know, 800 uh, months, um, I can still get the Tacoma. You know? We figure out a way. So my point is, why don't we figure out a way to start tithing and giving if we're not doing that. And I don't need to tell you how to do that, but you need to get with God. You need to get with your heart and say, how can I do that to start giving and see what God will do? And I hope there are more stories about like that guy who came up to me at the funeral and shares that. He goes, man, that was just awesome. Not that your sermon was so great, but that they were following a godly principle and it brought joy to them and their family. And I could just see it in a really tough time. So I want to encourage y'all to do that. We're going to offer an invitation this morning. If you want to name Jesus as your Lord and Savior, think about God gave the best, the most precious thing he had, and that was his son, Jesus. That's what a giver he is. And so if you need to accept Jesus, make him Lord of your life, we give you that opportunity this morning to be baptized into him. And maybe if you're looking for a church, this is a giving church. I can tell you since I was a little boy, I have been just blown away by the generosity of the people in this church. But it's because people are blessed, and they recognize they are blessed to be a blessing. And they continue that. We're blessed to be a blessing, blessed to be a blessing. When God blesses me, it's not to hoard it. It's to be a blessing to others, and people have done that consistently. And you know what? I want to see some of you middle school and high school, and I'm talking to you all this morning, but, man, I want to see this church when I'm in my walker coming back. I want to see we're still a generous church, and we still have no debt, and we're still serving missionaries and making a difference in our community and in our world by generous givers. I want to see that for the future. So we're going to, the praise team is going to lead us in in a song. And if you have a decision to make this morning, we offer you that. Let's stand and sing together right now.